All right, well, let's give it up for the worship team doing a fantastic job today. Now, I shared last time, I really love being able to sing some of the old songs from our songbook. It uh, nourishes a part of my heart. And there's, I don't know if you noticed, but there's kind of a, there was a theme to the songs that we sang today. I'm going to bring that up and pop quiz it a little bit. But uh, if you guys are visiting with us, thank you so much for coming. We're glad to have you. we got a pretty packed house today, which is good. Um, so this last, uh, since the beginning of the year, we've been doing a series uh, called Greater Love, where we talked about Jesus' heart for loving the poor. And uh, last week, Scott just finished it up, and we're going to be moving a little bit away from that. We're kind of doing a uh, see where the Holy Spirit leads us for a couple weeks as we get ready for Easter, because our whole focus and energy is going to be really on drawing people into the resurrection around that time. And then from there, we're going to be moving on to something else. So today, you're getting a little taste of where the Holy Spirit has been leading me lately. But what I want to do to start off our, uh, our service here, uh, the sermon, is, uh, is I want you to take out a piece of paper or your phone if you take notes on it, because uh, I'm going to have you guys write some things. This is different. Okay, come on. Alright? So I have five questions I'm going to ask you guys. I want you to respond to. You're not going to answer this in front of everybody, but this is just for you. So I'm going to give you guys a few seconds to pull out whatever you're going to write on, Okay. All right, and then we're going to move through these pretty quickly because I don't want you to really dwell on them too long. They're meant to be a little bit more instinctual and just kind of responding to it, okay? All right, first question there is, write out three to five things that you own in your life that are designed to make your life easier. Give everybody about 30 seconds. About 10 more seconds. It's meant to be fast. Don't overthink it. You don't have to think about your most prevalent devices. Just what do you got that's supposed to make your life easier? Okay? All right, question number two. How many nights this week would you say you got good sleep? Okay, you know what I mean by that. I'm not not throwing a time on it. Uh, It's just whatever you think good sleep is, if it's like seven hours, if it's just I got quality sleep, whatever. How many nights out of one week, seven days... Would you say you got good sleep? Okay. About five seconds on this one. All right, third question. So we're going to talk about exercise a little bit. How many times would you say you exercised this year, since January? Okay, just, you can throw a range on it. You don't have to give an exact number if it's one to ten times, if it's twenty more, twenty or more, whatever. And I'm saying since the beginning of the year, because we all know the new year is when you're like, yeah, I'm going to get healthy. And so since the new year, how's your exercise and health been going? And nobody is checking you on this, okay? So you've got to be honest with yourself. The only lying to you. Okay? Fourth question. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most grateful, how grateful would you say you are in your life? Alright, last question. That was supposed to be quick. Last question. Similarly, one to scale of one to ten, how fulfilled would you say you are in your life? Everybody a few seconds there. And I do want a little bit of feedback though. Maybe after going through these questions or kind of as you look at yourself, 
What's maybe something that jumps out at you as we kind of hit some of these things real quick? If you notice, they're all about kind of wellness and how you feel about your life. Right? So any thoughts? Anything that struck you from your own answers or something? Doesn't have to be super deep. Chris? Amen. Come on, Chris. God has been answering some great questions, some great prayers there. Okay, Jess. I'm really busy, but I still have time to copy the and take care of myself, and that's kind of crazy. Okay, amen. I have a lot more things to make my life easier than I realize. Okay, you got maybe a lot more in life to make things easier than you realize. Okay, anything else? Nikki. Okay, amen. Anybody else? Lewis, and then, then over here, Daniel. You know, I feel like very grateful because looking at all those things, things that have made my life easier, like just like Kelsey was saying, I have so many things that make my life easier, and I sleep well, and uh, I feel fulfilled. Amen, okay, Danielle. Um, some of the things that I quickly thought made my life easier don't. Okay, yeah. <laughs> And we'll get into that in just a second. Did anybody like do this and go like, wow, I got a long way to go? <laughs> Nobody? Everybody's life is just so good and fulfilled and grateful. Okay, like only, only the people that were like grateful for life really shared. I thought, I thought more, of the, more of the cynics like me would be, would be sharing. But um, so the reason why I brought these up here, as you might imagine, is we're, we're, we're kind of hitting the wellness stuff to start off with for a minute. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but our world caters to self. It caters to us. You know, about, about you, what you want, what you desire. Google, Google tailors your searches to your preferences. You know, uh, the ads that show up on social media are based on things you've been looking at. You know, I got, I, I, I'm so, said this to a couple people. When I started growing out my beard, all of a sudden I started getting this ad for this beard hot comb. And I was like, I don't think I've even taken any pictures with my beard yet, and it's already telling me I need this. Um, you know, the, all, this, all these devices are out there. The whole point is it's trying to make things that are harder in life easier. And I have some pictures of some things. Amazon is all about this. You know, one-day one delivery. Does anybody know what these are? Does anybody have one? Because these are called dash buttons. They're on Amazon. They've got them. But the idea is that if you order something enough, you can get this thing called a dash button that you just push a button and they send it to you. So if you're doing laundry and you realize, man, we're almost out of tide, boop, it's coming to your door in a couple days. You know, they even have it for Slim Jims if you're one of those people. Like, you got you to value your life choices if you have a, a dash button for Slim Jims. You know, we don't even need to remember all of our passwords anymore because you can use your fingerprint or your face. Right, all of our streaming services, they're on demand. I don't want to wait a week to watch my show. I want you to give me all 16 episodes at one time so I can watch them in one sitting. You know, and if I miss a show, I want to be able to go back and watch it at my convenience. Food delivery. We don't even need to go to the drive-thru anymore. There are companies, I was, there was something I was reading about this. There's so many companies that will pick up food from your favorite restaurants that didn't deliver before, but deliver now. So you don't even need to leave home. And I love this picture. Oh, back, back, back. Somebody overshot it. There we go. This is the real picture, by the way. Okay. 
But I don't know if you realize this. If you like Google search your house and look up the word gym or something like that, there is literally a gym within two miles in almost any direction to your house. Right? Catered to convenience for your self-improvement. You know, you can even take an escalator to go work out. And when it comes to self-improvement, I mean, there's so many things to make our life easier and to improve us. But Jim Gaffigan said it the best. Oh, back it up. Why is it not playing? You back it up, Josh? It's working earlier. Oh, anyways. It's a good one. We'll have it online. By the way, Josh wanted me to give a public service announcement that... Uh, oh, we have to reboot it? Okay, cool. Uh, you want to give a public service announcement that their slides are available on the internet. He loads them up there for you, so they will be on there. But if you guys haven't seen that special, it's a really good one. You know, he talks about the... the I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to look at myself while I work on myself. Read my self-magazine. Look at ways I can improve myself. That's my best Jim Gaffigan impression. Bummer. It was working earlier. Okay. And then this, this other one that I found. Okay, it's a commercial. You're not going to get to... Well, you can kind of get an idea for it. But it's this, it's this product called Sensa. And they literally... Their advertisement is she opens up this little packet, pours it on his french fries, and it says, you can lose weight and still eat whatever you want. I found this commercial like three years ago. It's a real thing. And they're like, hey, you can lose up to 30 pounds eating whatever you want to. Just sprinkle this little magic dust on top of it and you'll be healthy. Now, at the bottom of it, it does say the FDA has not approved any of these statements. But there's so many things like this in our world that are out to make life easier. Hard things should be easier. But beyond that, you know... When it comes to things as it, comes, as it pertains to ourself, we want our kids to have good self-esteem. Millennials want a job that creates self-fulfillment. Over the last couple of years, there's a phrase that gets thrown out a lot that I'm sure you guys have heard many times over. Self-care. I'm having all kinds of slight issues today. Um, self-care. You know, ten years ago it was self-help books. Now it's self-care books. And I'm not, just to clarify here, I'm not bashing anything about self-care. It's important for us to take care of ourselves physically, emotionally. If you're seeing a therapist, you're eating a good diet. Self-help is good. There's a, or self-care is good. There's a, a sermon I heard recently. They said, you have to have a self in order to deny. Does that make sense? Right? To deny yourself, you have to have a self to deny. So I'm not saying that. But our world very much caters to this. What do you need? What's best for you? What do you feel? What do you want? And with a world that's catering to us, the question that in the middle of all this, though, is are we happier people? We've got all this technology to make our life easier. We've got all this stuff that's supposed to make us feel better about ourselves. But are we living a fulfilled life that we're created for? The UN, the UN created this thing in 2013 called the World Happiness Report. Where they wanted to study self-fulfillment and happiness internationally. How are we actually doing as a world? And you know what they're finding? The first world countries, with all the access and the stuff that we have, we're not happy. Matter of fact, look at this. The sad state of happiness in the United States and the role of digital media. 
specifically the United States, we are not even in the top ten of happiest countries. Some of the things that they're finding, they said, man, they've been surveying adults. Keeps, keeps overshooting it, man. 1973, he said happiness in the 80s and the 70s was pretty good, but right around 2007 or 8, everything just took a dive. And adults are not happy. The recession was a big part of that. But we're out of the recession, and we're still just as unhappy. They're studying this in kids. This has become such a big problem. This is 8th through 10th graders. They're finding the amount of internet hours keeps going up, but sleep, interpersonal relationships, and happiness is going down and down and down. Self-harm and suicide are at an all-time high for this age demographic. So the question becomes with all of this is, man, if we've got all this technology and stuff that's supposed to make life easier and we're, we're all about self-care in our culture, why are we so unhappy? Well, maybe the answer isn't self-improvement. Maybe it's not making things easier. Maybe it's not focusing on ourselves. Maybe the answer is the counterintuitive concept in the Bible of self-denial. Have you noticed it? Drew put all the songs together. The theme of all the songs was self-denial. I lay me down because I'm not my own. God has been trying to teach me this a lot lately. And I've really felt an urging in my heart this week in particular that, man, this is something that I feel like we need as a church. So the title of my sermon here today is Trials of Denial. Let's say a prayer. God, I want to thank you so much for this day. Thank you, God, for your patience with us. That in, in all of our funk and all the things and all the ways we miss you, God, that you are constantly trying to draw us back to the truth. I pray that you humble us, help us to sit, uh, sit before your word and really let it sink into our hearts. We lift up this time to you. Please speak through me. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Turn your Bible over to Mark chapter 8, verse 31. So picking up in verse 31... Talking to his disciples, Jesus said, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. We'll stop there for a moment. So, you have to love Peter. Peter, I think, is one of the most accessible human beings in the entire Bible. Because he's got these really faithful moments where you're like, wow, he's walking on water. He got to be there at the Mount of Transfiguration. This is the guy that's getting the keys to the kingdom. And then he's got moments where he's sinking in the water. Where he says stupid things. Like, think about the audacity that you have to have to know that Jesus is the Messiah and say, Jesus, don't say those kinds of things. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> he has great highs, but he's got some very dumb moments. And part of, I think, why so many people like him is you go, I can relate to that. <laughs> but what just got done happening is Jesus had, uh, Jesus had asked him, who do people say the Son of Man is? And who do you say that I am? And Peter had this high moment where he's like, we believe you were the Son of God. You're the one that we've been waiting for. And in Matthew, he's like, yeah, Peter. 
Good answer. You're the guy. And then right after it is this, where he's like, Jesus, you shouldn't probably say this. And then Jesus looks at him and goes, All right, Satan. Who do you think you are? And I don't know if you've ever called somebody Satan before, but you probably wouldn't think it's your right-hand guy that's going to start the church for you one day. Right? And, the, and the Greek word for Satan actually means you're an adversary. You're against me right now. And specifically why, I want to show you the, the ESV version of how he says this in 33. He says, For you are not setting your minds on the things of God, but on the things of man. The way you're thinking, Peter, it's wrong. You're thinking about you and not about God. You know, I imagine even Peter saying this, it probably wasn't out of just a self-righteousness. It was he's thinking, man, Jesus, we don't want you to go. What are you saying you're going to be killed and die? We, we want you to stick around. This isn't a good thing. And he's saying, no, 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 Peter, you're not getting it. You're thinking about you and what you want and how you feel. You're not realizing that if I don't go, you can't be saved. If this doesn't happen, this thing that seems tragic, you guys aren't going to be right with God. And neither will the rest of the world. But you know what? As I read this kind of a scripture, this is easy to do. To get your mind off of the things of God and on things that are human. I was challenged recently. We were, uh, I heard a lesson where the brother was talking about trying to, uh, to pray more about God in my prayers. You know, the, the Luke 11, when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, he says, say, Father, hallowed be your name. So spend some time praising God. And he said, try to do that. Don't think about yourself. Just pray about God. I can't get through one minute. I don't know if you've tried this, just to just buckle down, not think about yourself and your needs, and just think about God. I go, God, you're so awesome. I'm so grateful for all the things you've created. Man, I'm stressed. Oh, God, God, thank you so much for my salvation. I get to belong to Jesus. Man, I got so much to do today. Like, those are my prayers. Because my nature is to have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. But Jesus uses this as a teaching opportunity. He goes, okay, look, Peter, you're not getting this. And so he says in verse 34, let's keep reading there. So then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. But what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone gain or give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So if you're a disciple of Jesus in this room, you've heard this scripture probably a million times. But what grabbed me is the context of this conversation of denying yourself was Peter's response to Jesus. And Jesus going, okay, you don't think like God thinks. You think like a man. So he says, okay, disciples, come on, huddle up. Bring it in. And he brings together not just the people that are trying to become disciples, the people that don't follow him yet, he brings the ones that have already been following him. The ones that have already left their boats, their families. They've done a lot of self-denial stuff already. And he says, look, pull it together here. Because all of you guys struggle with this too. All of you guys struggle with having in mind the things of man and not God. 
This is important for us to grasp, church. This is not a, a scripture that's dedicated to studying the Bible. To learn how to become a disciple. Jesus pulled his disciples into the mix because he knew that they were struggling with this way of thinking and so do we. And he's saying, look, if you want fulfillment in this world, if you want the things that are real, you're not going to find it here on earth. You're not going to find it in any kind of worldly construct and you're not going to find it in self. Because guess what? It's all going to burn. This is all for not. Your job, you know what? It could be replaced by a robot. In the next 20 years, who knows? Your education. I got a college degree and I'm a minister. I'm not even using my education. And I paid money for it. Your stuff, it's going to be outdated. It's going to get holes. Your money, you can't take it with you. Entertainment, it's irrelevant. That body that you're working so hard to eat right and sculpt to look pretty, it's going to get old. It's going to sag. Kids, marriage, none of this stuff is where it's at. The answer to fulfillment and eternal life is following me. But you can't follow me if you don't deny yourself. I looked up the word yourself in the Greek because you guys know I love bringing up Greek because it makes me look smarter. <laughs> Looking for deep insights. There was nothing insightful about it. But it was basically just, look, when you say deny yourself, it's not deny your sinful nature. It's deny you. All of who you are, no to that. But the word deny in the Greek is really interesting. Because the word refers to standing in front of a judge for something that you are being accused of and you deny it because you're convinced you didn't do it. For context, the Greek word for deny shows up 33 times in the New Testament, and a third of those times almost are Peter's denial of Jesus. And most of the other times it's referred to, it's one of two things. Both of them have to do with the way that we live. It says you're either living for yourself and you're denying me, or you're living for me and you're denying yourself. The way you live is testifying before God and before others about who you serve. Is it you or is it me? And I want to clarify, and he's saying, he's saying, look, there's no middle ground here. There's not, you're kind of one foot in, one foot out, I'm mostly denying myself. And no, it's either you're living for me or you're not. And when he's saying deny yourself, I want to clarify because I know some of us can struggle with this. It doesn't mean just saying no to all the things you want and love for the sake of pleasing people or doing things because people are going to ask you to do it. Jesus oftentimes did not listen to what people wanted for the sake of doing what God wanted. But he did love people wholeheartedly and denied himself for people. Saying if I'm living for myself or if I'm living for Jesus and following Jesus, that means I have to stand in front of the self. This is me in the mornings half the time. Okay? Because every day I've got to stand in front of the self, as pretty as that is, with all the things that self wants, that self desires, and say, self, your wants, your desires, your feelings, your dreams, your ambitions, 
They do not decide how I live my life today. This is way more than just, I gotta say no to bad things that I want sometimes. This is down to the core of who we are and the things that you want. And you know what? This is a daily decision in battle. The Luke 9 account, we know that one. It says you've got to take up your cross and deny yourself daily. You know why? Because every day it's a problem. And it's not easy. It doesn't stop the day that you got baptized. Your baptism is irrelevant in this scripture. At any given day or stage of life or hour of life, we're in one of these two places where we're denying ourselves or we're denying Jesus. And you know what? This is something I battle with constantly. Yesterday I went on a date with my wife. And uh, I was feeling just a lot of things. We had a couple things that had happened, some interactions I had, and I was feeling stuff. I was kind of grumpy. and We hadn't been out on a date in, in a couple weeks, so I was like, alright, we need to go on a date. And She's like, I'm going to plan it. It's going to be awesome. And she's being sweet and we're having fun and she wants to do this thing. And I'm just, you know, kind of like trying to smile in my seat. And, and I was just being a, I was being a butt. I'm just going to say. I was being difficult and I was having a bad attitude and I kept telling myself I'm trying, but I wasn't. And then finally Kelsey just goes, you know what, Jake, you need to deny yourself. And I was like, You're only saying this because you know what I'm preaching about tomorrow. <laughs> but she was totally right. And I had to step off to the side and pray. And I was like, you know what? This isn't about me just like waiting for my heart to catch up. I have to decide to give to my wife and stop being selfish. It's not about how I feel. It's not about how my circumstances have been that day. I need to be loving. And you know, I don't know about you, but when I was a young Christian, I used to think that this was going to get easier when I got older. You know, I became, uh, I became a disciple in high school and I thought, you know, when I get older, surely as the, as the more I read in my Bible, the more I'm around spiritual people like you guys, it's going to get easier for me to deny myself. Right? You know, like uh, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to want to deny myself every day. But the older I've gotten, I'm wondering why it's not like that. And so we're going to read about that. Turn over to Philippians 3. You with me? Because Paul is trying to help the church with this concept here in Philippians. As you're turning there, you know, the backstory of Philippians is this is at the end of Paul's life. He's in prison in Rome and he's, he's going to be killed when this is all over. And so it's a lot of like reflection, but he's trying to help the church in Philippi to get some things in the middle of all this. Look at what he says halfway through verse 4 there. I know it's a little, it's a little weird, but it says, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. I'm going to stop there for a moment. So at the end of his life, what he's really doing here is he's reflecting on all the reasons he has to feel good about himself. He's going, man, the Paul self over here, this is pretty good. So, matter of fact, he even says, you think you got reasons to feel good about yourself? Let me tell you about this self. This self, man, I'm from the right family. I'm of the right race. I've got all the accomplishments. I've done all these different things well. 
I'm spiritual. I've done all of this great stuff. And you know what? These are things that we usually attach to ourself and to our identity a lot. Your accomplishments, your family history, maybe your race, maybe your education, your friendships, whatever it is. Paul's talking about all the things. He says, look, you think your stuff's great. Mine's better. And part of what this tells me is that, you know, the challenge of self-denial is that the older we get, the more self we have to deny. I've got a little diagram here. Okay? Because I'm a visual learner. So when we're younger, you know, we, things are pretty simple. you got family. You know, you've got siblings, your mom, your dad. you got maybe a little bit of money if you get an allowance. You know what your role is. You're the son, you're the daughter. You know, you go to school because you have to and the, and the law says you do. You get a little bit of achievements and you get that participation trophy from MESO. And you got some likes and dislikes. Food that you hate, food that you like, your friends that you like, all those different things, right? But then we grow up. And what happens is the, the family gets bigger. You know, maybe get married, have kids, have nieces, nephews, in-laws. The family has all of a sudden gotten larger. You know what? That means I got more roles to fulfill now. Now, now I'm not just a student anymore. I've got a job. I'm, gonna, I'm a dad. I'm a mom. I got all these things that I'm supposed to do. I'm making a little bit more money. You know, that feels good. I still remember the first time that full time job, I was like, wow, this is not Burger King. <laughs> you know? <laughs> as we get older, I noticed the likes didn't change there. Because usually, usually we like stuff less as we get older. And our dislikes go up. But our dislikes and our likes usually are a big part of our thinking and our personality. And you know what? We get a lot more achievements maybe. Some more pats on the back, some kudos, some attaboys. There's a lot more now to deny as an adult than there ever was when I was a kid. And you know, the truth is, the reason why I struggle with self-denial with living like Jesus because I feel like I'm owed all of this. Paul is bringing this up to the church in Philippi because he knows in our heart of hearts, in our sinful nature, we feel like I've earned this. Look at all the things I've done. You know, I'm, I'm, I deserve just to go and leave with my family whenever I want to. I've made enough money for myself. I can buy whatever I want to. My achievements, you know, I, I, I feel good about those things big part of who I am. This is my sinful nature. And what I forget in the middle of all this, whenever, whenever I'm in this place where this is all about me, what I'm forgetting is that really what I'm, what I'm owed, what I'm earned, is death. It's hell. It's to reap the consequences of every sinful thing I've ever done. But the life that I have, it's not that. And you know what? When I'm all about these things, when it's all about me and what I deserve, I'm not happier. You never can be. Let's pick up in verse 7. We're wrapping up here. It 
says, But wherever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection, but also the participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying here is he says, you know what I figured out at the end of my life and 60 years of being here with all the achievements, all the things that I felt like were valuable to me, is that when I deny myself to be more like Jesus, I realize that all of this is a waste. And that Jesus and his life, including his sufferings, it's a part we don't necessarily like to read, but suffering like Jesus, yeah, that's a good thing. And his resurrection, this stuff, that's everything. Pleasure, happiness, eternal joy, it's only found when we deny ourselves. And it unleashes an eternal joy and fulfillment in God. You know what Paul says there that's reassuring? Even at the end of his life, he says, you know what? I'm not there yet. I've not arrived. I've not figured this out. He says, I'm pressing on to try to get a hold of this. But the question that we got to ask ourselves in this, if you're a disciple of Jesus, we have to wrestle with this again. Yeah. Does my life show a pattern of denying Jesus or denying myself? After however many years you've been a disciple, are you more in self-denial or denying Jesus? I was asking myself this stuff this week and it was not a comfortable question to ask. But if I want eternity with God, I have to ask it. If I want my life to be fulfilled the way that God designed for it to be fulfilled, I have to ask it. Because it's worth it. Remember what it was like when you started denying yourself for the first time. How hard it was, but then you realize, man, this stuff is true. It's real. It's good. It's better than what I did before. There's some practicals I want us to think about with this, some things to consider. Maybe asking yourself, when I get home from work, maybe instead of shutting down and being into myself, maybe I should engage with my family and my church family. Instead of that extra 15 minutes of sleep or watching a 20-minute show, I'm going to pray. Instead of going to church or going, going throughout my day with my head down, trying to do my own thing and just trying to work, I'm going to engage with the people around me. Instead of giving way to my fear and the excuses in my head why people aren't open to Jesus, I'm going to invite this person to church and share my faith. Instead of waiting for someone in here to ask me 
how my relationship with God is doing, I'm going to initiate and deny myself to say, you know what, I would love to get time with you and share how I'm doing. And I want us to ask ourselves, church, what will happen in this church if that is our spirit? Forget, forget the weight of the Bible. Let's just talk about self-denial. If we could just get back to that as disciples, what will be the state of this church? The state of your lives, your families, your faith, the serving needs, whatever it may be. What will be the state of it if we could just grab self-denial? I'm going to close with Luke 22. The best scripture of self-denial in the whole Bible to me. Verse 42, it says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Part of what's so amazing about this story in the Bible to me, and I'm so glad that God puts this in the Bible. Jesus wrestled with self-denial. This passage, we don't see Jesus as this, as this miracle worker that's raising the dead. We see him as a man that is wrestling with his death that's in front of him. Wrestling with the weight of our sin. Wrestling with being separated from God. And you know what he said? Myself doesn't want to do this. God, if there's any way that you can save myself, please make it possible. But his resolve was, but not my will but yours be done. And Jesus' self-denial is what opened up the door for us to sit here in this church right now. So on the flip side of that, our self-denial opens up the door for us to draw closer to God and for God to save people's souls through us. Church, let's grab a hold of this concept of self-denial again. Let's walk with Jesus earnestly. Let's imitate our Savior in His struggle for daily self-denial and His struggle to give up for us. And let's do the same for Him. We're going to say a word of prayer here to close out our time. God, I just want to thank You so much. Jesus, that You were willing to wrestle with this and of Yourself to show us how to wrestle with it, but also, God, to give us the hope of eternity with You. Father, I pray that You will really uh, help us to, to hold on to these words in the Bible, God, to not forget them, to not dismiss them because that was a long time ago that we studied this out, but God, to, to remember that as disciples, self-denial is a part of our DNA. And I pray, God, that you'll help us to, to walk more closely with you and to love other people because of it. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.